Tompkins? Yeah, okay. Stand where you are. Won't you come any closer? Well, Mr. Tompkins, I just want to... Come closer and I'll hit you. No need to get riled, Mr. Tompkins. I ain't looking for no trouble with you. What you doing around here? Well, I wanted to talk to you about... What about? About Abraham. That mule's legally mine. You ain't got no claim on him. Well, I ain't denying he's Stay where you are if you'd want to be laid out in two pieces. Well, I was figuring on a buying Abraham back. Buying him back? Yes, sir. My mule's kind of poorly, and something done happened to him, and, and I sure need a mule. Are you meaning it? Yes, sir. No hard feelings? Shucks, no, Mr. Tompkins. Well, I'll be damned. And, uh, and there's one more thing. I'm asking your forgiveness for a flaring up at you the way I've done. It were Satanists speaking out of me. Zeke was a teller, man, but I, I couldn't live. About what? That you got religion. Well, that's a fact, Mr. Tompkins. Well, I'll be damned. Well, I sure would like to be a buying that there mule back. You would, eh? Yeah, how much would you be asking for him? Well, let's see. You said he was worth $40, and I allowed you $30. That's right. Well, you're going to have him back for $20. Oh, Mr. Tompkins, Abram's worth a sight more than that. Maybe he is, but seeing as how I'm trying to do the fair and square thing, Albert, $20. Well, I reckon I know what you're thinking. It's more blessed to give than to receive. Maybe. Come on, get your and another thing, I'm going to give you back the clock you sold on. Yeah. Yeah, it don't run no harm. Brian, I'm going to go off this one because this one keeps going out. So we're going to tuck this one away right here. We're having... Like I said, I believe in spiritual warfare, and I just think that Satan just doesn't want things to happen. And I just want to make sure this message gets out today. The uh, video we just saw is from a movie about one of America's greatest heroes. His name is Alvin York. You may not recognize that name, but, but if you're old like me, then you might recognize the name Sergeant York. See, in this particular clip, Alvin York prior to becoming a Christian, was in a rage and was on the way to kill one of his neighbors. When the video came in, he was on the way to that person's house and lightning had struck him and destroyed the weapon that he was going to use. And it was then that he heard the music from the old church and he went in and found salvation. And in the second part of the, of the clip, it shows that not only did he receive salvation, but he experienced a change in his life. That he went from angry to gentle. That he went from trying to harm someone to trying to bring good back into the world. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. Michael Jordan actually brought this clip to me this, this past Sunday and asked if we could use it somewhere uh, because of the greatest hits thing that we have going on. And I looked at it and I said, it would be perfect for the sermon. So thank Michael when you see him for bringing us that clip. So today's passage of scripture will be coming from the book of Luke chapter 23, verses 39 through 43. This is one of the criminals 
who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you were under the same sentence? We are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus answered him, truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Father God, we come before you today and we thank you for this opportunity that you give us together. And Father, I ask that, that you be with me, give me guidance and words of hope and words of inspiration. And help me, Father God, as I speak, that I would give words that are only pleasing to you and not words that are pleasing to me. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. So life is a challenge, and one of the challenges that I face today is standing still because I am a walker. So I have to learn how to do something different. And as we have come to find out, learning to do things differently is not always an easy task. So when I think about this passage of Scripture, I think about the thief on the cross who seemed to be doing something different. You see, at the time that the story is happening right here, Jesus has already been put on trial. And he's already stood before his counterparts. And they've already screamed, crucify him. And he was taken to the cross and hung between two thieves, one who mocked him and the other who cried out for mercy. And I think about that thief sometimes and how little we know about him, but how much we connect with him. Now, I can't say for you, I can say for me and some of the other people that I know that, that during their salvation experience, they ran from God. When they heard the Spirit call, it, it wasn't something that they wanted to sit still and hear because they had other plans or other ideas for their life. You see, when people hear God call, what they think is that they're giving up something good for something bad. They think that they're, they're giving up privilege And that they're giving up opportunity for service. But what they don't understand is that we are a people who are created to serve and worship our living God. And until we come to terms with that, we spend our lives running place to place to place to, to try to find something to fill that emptiness in our life, to, to fill that void. And you may say that, you know, well, I'm a fairly moral person. I don't have a lot of sin in my life. I'm not out destroying myself or any other people around me. And a lot of times when we hear the conversion story, that's what we think of. Now, for myself, many of you know, and for those that you don't, I'll share with you. My conversion story came like this. In a state of drunkenness, I drove my car through a stop sign into three trees. And there was so much impact from, from that collision that the engine of that car came into the compartment with me. 
And my face hit the steering wheel with such impact that it bent the steering wheel over till it made contact with the dashboard. And when I got out of that car, I staggered down the street and I was so intoxicated that I couldn't see five feet in front of me. But by God's grace, his willingness to give more than we deserve, he put before me one tiny spot of light. And that light is all that I could see. And I followed that light from the car in a, into a ditch where I, I fell on a barbed wire fence and I cut my side. And somehow I managed to, to find my way to, to somebody's house. So they didn't have a garage attached to their house. They had a carport, much like mine, that, that had the cover for the cars to park under, but no sides. And I walked into that carport, and I went up to the door, and I, I began banging on the door but, and crying for help, but no one was home. And I turned around, and I sat down on the steps of that house. And I said, God, if it's your will that I die, then I die. And I sat there, bleeding out. When the people who lived at that home were on their way out of town on vacation, but the grandmother had remembered that, that she left a bag at home, and, and they had to turn around and come back to get that bag. If it wasn't for her forgetting that bag, I wouldn't have been found. So they found me, and they called the, the paramedics to come get me and took me to the hospital. And it wasn't soon after that that even though I, I experienced that, that, that walk that was so close to death that I still wouldn't give my life to Christ. You see, like many people at that point, I knew who Christ was. And for me, it was good enough to call on his name. It was good enough to know his name and expect him to make a change for my life. Not a change in my life, but, but to change circumstances to benefit me if I became a more moral person. But God wanted more from me than just living a moral life. What he wanted was for me to experience salvation through Christ Jesus. He wanted me to surrender my life, my will, and my desire to his. Because you see, the road that I wanted to take was lit, filled with nothing but heartache, sorrow, and destruction. And the road that he had for me, even though there's great difficulty, that's life. It happens. It's a road filled with pleasure and experience. And it's a road that, that impacts not only me, but the community around me. That I learned to live for a greater purpose other than myself. But it took not just a tragic accident to bring me to that point of acceptance. But it took 
the conviction of the Holy Spirit. You see, when I think about the thief that's, that's on these cross with Jesus, the one who is, who is hurling insults at him, I, I think of us sometimes that, that when God calls us, that, that we do much like he does. We say that, you know what, well, if you're God, then, then you can change my life to make it be the way that I want it to be. That you can change all these circumstances to make life more pleasurable for me. But you don't do that. And I think that's what the thief was, was saying to Jesus when he said that, you know, can't you bring yourselves and us down from here? After all, you're the Messiah. You're God. You have all this power, but yet here we still hang. And he made a good point there. And I want to point out what that point is. And it's this. You see, the, the thief was right when he was mocking Jesus. You do have the power and the authority to take yourself down from this cross. He wasn't there because he was forced to be there. He was there because he chose to be there. We said in the garden when he, when he went to pray before he was taken into custody, Father, if this cup can pass from me, let it be, but if not, let me drink of this cup. In other words, he was saying, I know what's going to happen. I know the pain that I'm going to suffer. But I'm willing to do it anyways. Not for my glory, but so that my brothers and sisters can be set free from the things that bind them. So that my, my brothers and sisters can, can enter into a relationship one-on-one -on -one with the Heavenly Father without having to go through another on their behalf. Because of what Christ did, we individually can go into the Holy of Holies and stand in the presence of God and ask for forgiveness for our sins and leave the guilt that comes along with them at the feet of Christ and walk away fulfilled and empowered by the Holy Spirit to go out into the world and make a difference and live a life that is holy and pleasing to God, to live a life that is satisfying and fulfilling to us. So you see, I'm glad that that, that thief was there on that cross to, to point out to us that, that Christ could bring himself down, but he chose not to. He chose to be there for our benefit. And then I think about the other thief that was hanging there who said to the other thief, do you not fear God? We know who we are. We know what we've done. We deserve to be here. But this man has done nothing wrong. And yet he receives the same punishment that we do. And I understand what he's saying, or at least I think I do. John Wesley said that as Christians, we should often sit in reflection upon our own lives, not sit in judgment, 
but to be honest with ourselves about who we are as a people and, and, and how we're experiencing God and how we're growing. To be honest with ourselves about our victories and our failures. And to be honest with ourselves about our sin life. You see, no matter how good we want to be, no matter how good we want to feel about who we are as a person, we we have to accept the responsibility and the reality that, that we as a people, that as individuals, have sin in our lives. That we are not perfect, not on this side of heaven. And I think that, that when we accept that truth about ourselves, then we can look to God and understand more fully why it was Christ gave his life for us on the cross. Because you see, when we, when we look and see that the sin is present in our life and that, and that there's not a lot that we can do about it within our own power, then we start looking for a way to, to solve that problem. And we'll run to, to different types of mechanisms to, to help solve that problem. Sometimes it's alcohol and drug abuse. Sometimes it's fulfilling or filling our lives with so many activities that, that we can't stay still because we think that, that if we stay busy, that we're going to accomplish things. And if we accomplish things, then, then we can be proud of what it is that we've accomplished. And then we let that pride become the center of our lives. And on that pride, we stand. And to the world's eyes, that might be okay. But then there comes that moment in time when our securities no longer remain secure. There comes that time in our life when, when we come to understand that no matter what we fill our lives with, that it's not enough. That there's still an absence of void that has to be filled. And the only way to fill that is through Christ Jesus. The thief recognized that when he said, Jesus, remember me when you enter your kingdom. He reflected, he repented, and he asked for forgiveness. And Christ's promise to him was this, today, not tomorrow and not another day, but today, when you close your eyes on this side of life, you will awaken in the presence of God in eternity. We think these are just stories that are passed down from generation to generation. But they're more than stories. They're words of truth. Jesus said to his disciples when he was trying to bring comfort to him to them about upcoming events. 
about how he would be going home before them. He said to them, Do not let your hearts be troubled, but believe in God and believe also in me. For in my Father's house there are many rooms. If it were not so, would I not have told you? For I am going to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare that place for you, I will come back one day and take you with me. And he gave those, those words of hope and words of inspiration to his disciples. And, and I'm sure that some of them grabbed hold of those words and were um, just ecstatic about what they heard. But Thomas couldn't quite understand what he was saying. Thomas said, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? And Jesus said this, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. And if you really know me, you will know my Father. You see, answering what they call the sinner's prayer is not just something we do as a family tradition. Answering the, the call to the sinner's prayer is not something that we do because our best friends have already done it and we want to be like them. Answering the call to the sinner's prayer is a man or a woman or a child hearing the call of God's Spirit to come home so that you know the Son and that you know the Father more completely. And we use the, the terminology all the time when the Spirit calls. And you know that's a true statement. And that's another truth that Christ shared with us. In John 6, he says, No one can come to the Father unless he who sent me draws them. And I will raise them up on the last day. Another translation I like says this. says that no one comes unto the Father unless led by the Spirit. And I love that passage because it speaks so much truth about how God works in our lives. Because you see, too many times we think that on our own accord, that on our own ability, that, that we can acknowledge God for all that He is that we can make a conscious decision that today I am going, not going to be a sinner, today I'm going to be a saint and call on God under our own power and become saved. But truth be known, it doesn't work that way. No one can have knowledge of God without God first providing that knowledge. Methodism calls it prevenient grace. It's how God works in the lives and the hearts of people to call them forward, to call them home. It's when the Holy Spirit calls to the heart and says, Dear child, come home. See, it's when the Spirit calls to our heart that we're capable of 
calling on God. And theologians say that because of this. Man did not first love God. God first loved man. And it's that drawing, the call of the Spirit, that attracts us and calls us to God. So you see what I'm saying is this is that when you hear God calling your name unto salvation or unto a calling in your life, it's not just happening. And it's not happening because you heard somebody speak about it, that your conscience is, is playing with you. It's not happening because the people around you have experienced it and you want to be just like them. It's happening because the Father in heaven knows your name individually and has looked down from heaven and said, Dear child, I know your pains and I know your sorrows. I know your emptiness and I know your desires for life. Come home and let me fill that void in your life. Come home through the Son and be with the Father. It's God's way of saying to you personally, I love you. That he took time out of his day his week of his month specifically to think about you and invite you home. And when I think about the thief on the cross, that's what I think he experienced. So I ask you today, Has God put a calling on you to a certain ministry? Or is God calling you to salvation? Or have you experienced the, the salvation of Christ but drifted away and the Spirit is calling you back home? If so, I invite you to accept that call. It's a life-changing experience, one that you'll never have anywhere else. And it's an experience that will open your eyes to a new and living way. Let us pray. Father God, I come before you today, and we thank you for this opportunity that you've given us together here today. And Father, as we continue with our service today, let us reflect on who we are as a people, Father God, not beating ourselves up, not judging ourselves for good or bad, but, but being honest with ourselves about who we are and how much we need you to be in our lives and how we need you to fill that void, that emptiness that, that no one else can, but only through the Son. Speak to us, guide us, and lead us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.
may grace, mercy, and peace, which come from God our Father and from Jesus Christ his Son, be with us who live in truth and love. Amen.